Dialogic Disciple is an invitation to explore discipleship in dialogue with the world as disciples of the Word. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Dialogic Disciple podcast. My name is James Johnson and I'm here with my co-host... Elizabeth Shaby. Elizabeth. Once again. We have a very special guest. They're all special, in, James. Well, they are all special. But this special. guy, this guy in particular. Maybe maybe the, the most, most. The most. most Whoa, special. Did you say that yourself? Uh, he's definitely, uh, if not the most special, at least a specialist in serving the Lord because it is wow. Reverend Jeff Rogers with that us today. How are you doing, Jeff? Oh, I'm doing fantastic. Thank you for having me on the podcast. Absolutely. Well, thank you for taking some time to come up and talk to us. You know, it's been a while since I got an uh, invite it, to be on know, the podcast, well, and I didn't know if it was only the old Nick Houston <laughs> who used to co-host that I was getting the invite because yeah. I haven't, I haven't well, been back on. Our listens were down departure. when you came on. Our listens went <laughs> remarkably down and. I think you've probably been on the podcast more than any other guest we've ever had, so that's quite a distinction. Mm, well, I think this is like the 65th time or it's something It's not like one that. I take lightly. Like, <laughs> last time I was called the Alec Baldwin uh, uh, Dialogic Disciple podcast. <laughs> the Five Timers Club. Uh, well, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us, and we are in the midst of Advent. I think we got, what... 12 sleeps left till Santa. Mm. Wow. Uh, and it's like a children's book. <laughs> I right? Know, right? Uh, and uh, how's your Advent going so far? Advent? It's it's the most wonderful time of the year. That's what they say, right? It's uh, I got little kids in my oh, house. Yeah. Right? Three-year-old. Carson will be four in February, and Charlotte just turned 18 months old. What so, is that like? So Carson it's, is just now getting old enough to really understand what's going really, on. really, really gets it. Last year, he had fun with it, but... It, he didn't fully get it. Now he's he's seeing Santa around. Yeah, he's pumped nice. for it. You know, we do we do this Advent devotional. Uh, oh, you the promise of Eden? family. Oh. Um, <laughs> every uh, every evening. Oh, that's cool. It's something. That's it was a precious. tradition that my family did when I was growing up. Yeah. So there are these little presents uh, that we unwrap and we hang up on the Christmas tree oh, that's awesome. to a Bible story. And so my parents gave us that old set that of presents awesome. in the devotional book. Um, and, and But now on this other side, I'm like, I kind of want to rewrite the devotionals. They're, like, <laughs> they're fine, but I'm like, I find myself changing what I'm reading nice. as yeah. I'm reading it out loud. I'm like, ooh, first of all, not appropriate for a three-year-old. <laughs> uh, second of all, pretty Baptist-y mom and dad, so it's cool. You strike me as someone who probably does a very good job keeping the balance of Jesus and Santa with your kids. Oh, well, you know, we'll see. This is the first year we have to even try to strike that balance. Yeah. Um, are, are you doing Santa? We do Santa. You okay. Know, uh, I absolutely know people that will say, we don't do Santa. We don't mm-hmm. want our kids to to feel like they can't trust us because we've taught them about something that Interesting, isn't yeah. real. Yeah, yeah. That, that was my fear. Um, uh, I, you know, I just don't, I understand that. I'm... Uh, I'm fine with that argument. I have no fear that my kid will not believe me because I've, right. you know, participated in this participated giant in a cultural, cultural lie. Oh, wow. <laughs> you know, uh, we're talking about joy today. <laughs> and there's just this joy that comes from yeah, totally. engaging in the Santa. And, you know, he, he just wants gifts. It doesn't matter. Like, my favorite story last year was, 
all he asked for Christmas because we were going to see Santa and we're like, you have to ask for something. He's like, uh, and he looks around and he sees a, a light up necklace. Uh, oh like, my I want God. a light up necklace. And we're like, can do. And he's like, anything else? He's like, balloons. <laughs> we're like, okay, <laughs> big like, Christmas. This <laughs> That's adorable. Uh, I love balloons. it. <laughs> you know, it's, uh, I, I don't feel like me saying somebody else is getting him balloons will crumble his faith yeah, as, yeah. as an adult one day. That's beautiful. That's good. That's, so That's really good. But it's yeah, also... I mean, we, we talk about the Jesus story. You know, we do the devotional and, you know, we're rolling in today and, he, you know, I'm listening to the podcast, as I, I said. So I was going in and he just asked questions. He's like, all right, so Christmas, uh, God is with Santa. <laughs> oh, like, no. <laughs> Confusion. God's with everybody, bud. You know, like, you're good. And he's like, and Jesus is with his mom and dad. And I'm like, Mary and Joseph, you got it. You know? Like, Can we listen to there's more some, There's some theology yeah, right? there that we'll need to clean up. But uh, that's it's not fine. too bad. That's, that's he, most apparent. He's got the principal characters. Bat and clean up. We was watching a, a YouTube video with Kiefer the other day. Uh, this is probably about a month ago now, and uh, it was a it, it was this video of of different sizes of meteorites or asteroids hitting the Earth, and what kind of impact they would have on the Earth, right? Oh, wow! Uh, and she loves this video. It just shows like here's a, here's an asteroid the size of a man, and it shows it hitting the Earth in computer model and doesn't do very much damage, right? Now it's the size of Eiffel Tower, right? Wow. Uh, and we finally got to the size of the one that killed the dinosaurs, you know. Uh, and uh, it hits the earth, and I was like, oh, and it does a whole lot of damage or whatever. And I was like, that's that was the one that killed the dinosaurs. Um, and she said, oh, man, it wiped out all life on the planet. And I said, well, I mean, no, it wiped out, you know, a good percentage, but the mammals, the little creatures survived. That's why we're here today, right? And she said, what? And I said, the little, little mammals that we evolved from. She was, <laughs> she said, he said, that's not true. If you don't believe the Bible, that's true. And I was like, wow. what? And I, told you, I think I've told you both of this story before, but she was uh, spouting like creationist theology to me. <laughs> and like, you know, the world was created in six days. And I was like, well, there's different ways to read that story, sweetheart. Like you can read it as a metaphor. You can read it as a, you know, a liturgy. Uh, and she said, she immediately jumped. She's like talking to my own family back in Oklahoma. She immediately jumped from that <laughs> statement. That could be a, this this story in Genesis one could be a metaphor to so Jesus isn't real. And I, <laughs> and I was like, so it turns wow. out that most adults have the same logical process as <laughs> me. As me. <laughs> was Kiefer seven six in this uh, story? Seven, yeah, yeah. This right. is yeah. That's so, it's just crazy. Hey but, man, um, they lie to you once. They're probably going to continue to lie to you. Yeah, man. Case in point, just like we were talking about with Santa. This is why you don't tell your children. (laughs) You know, I'm sure you, your daughter, will not ultimately become a creationist. But if she does, (laughs) I don't even know know where she got that from. But uh, you know, she believes that God created the world. That's good. That's a good thing to build on, right? Yeah. Clean the theology up in the in the. In post. in post. No judgment for <laughs> right. any creationist listeners to Dialogic Disciple Oh, absolutely podcast. not. We, absolutely not. We all. encourage any and all biblical interpretation. Just and, read the Bible. Uh, That's all I care about. And dialogue. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Amen, brother. Oh, man. But she, um, she, this year was told that Santa doesn't exist by someone in her school. Uh, and yet, That's she has decided to believe anyway. So she is pretty, pretty amazing. Uh, in that sense, I mean, I like kids, that, that joy that she has. Kids are amazing. We are on our way in, and I'm I'm listening to this podcast. Carson wants to be listening to Disney music, and all of a sudden, just start singing without knowing the words. 
the tune to Joy to the World. Oh, like, nice. This kid. First of all, where did that come from? Yeah. Second of all, how did you know that I'm preparing to talk about joy? Oh, Look uh, at that. And James quotes joy to the world. It's just that's pretty cool. The spirit moving. That is very Aww. cool. Planting seeds of joy. Oh. I was... Oh! Uh, <laughs> that's ridiculous. This is why we love Jeff. Uh, right. I know, right? Let's so. close it out. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> I was wondering, what do you guys think? Uh, this is a this is a sidebar question, um, but what do you guys think is the most iconic Christmas carol or Christmas song of all time? What is the song that is the most it gets you in the Christmas spirit, or that? Uh, and I don't I don't mean necessarily in a Christian sense, but just Christmas in general, the season. What is uh, what is the most iconic or Christmassy song that you know? Uh, Okay, why don't you ask one question, please? Yeah. Yeah. Are you asking for the most <laughs> iconic Christmas right. song? Are you asking for the one that gets us in the Christmas spirit that is the most iconic? Right, or our yes, favorite. all of the or above. Th- just pick one and answer what, it. What song? My favorite Christmas song I don't is, care what your favorite one is. That's what you just asked. <laughs> no, it's not. I didn't use the word favorite. Wait, 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 go ahead. Sorry. Kick him. <laughs> no, I'm asking, like, you hear the song it, 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 and you're automatically in Christmas spirit. I'm sorry. Go ahead. What's your favorite Christmas song? It's not my favorite. It's the one that gets me in the spirit. Okay. And it's called O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Oh, yeah. It's good. That's a good one. Jeff. O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. That's a good question. I don't know that I have a, a favorite song. For me, sometimes music, I don't know if y'all get this way, but I'm not good at thinking of sp- songs when i'm not listening to them i, I don't know it's hard huh that's weird i, I don't know no that's not the right way to say it i can't think like, of music when i'm not listening to it. what is that what are no, you no that's about? not what i'm trying to say that's that's not good oh, you can't you can't the, you can't what you're saying is you can't just recall songs that you know like I, if i asked you what your favorite beatles song is think of like an entire catalog yeah, of music yeah, yeah, yeah. without seeing yeah it. i'm with you i understand um it, i would be I have a, would have a horrible time trying to do Matt or Michael's job. It would be like the same <laughs> three songs every single and, week. And we'll be singing Blessed Assurance once again in both services. Amen. At the beginning and the end. Blessed Assurance. Jesus is my <laughs> fun uh, behind the scenes note. Uh, Joshua McClure told me one time that, um, you know, he and Michael Devine would have conversations about what to plan. And when he came in, you know, Michael would be like, oh, we didn't do this song. We haven't done it forever. And Joshua would be like, no, we did that last week because it sounds like he may function a little bit more like he was. No, this is going to be great. We're going to do we're going to do this one. Joshua was like, we just did that one. And he wouldn't believe him. And so Joshua was like, I finally started like writing down all the hymns that we do every week so that I can show him when he picks songs. No, we did that two weeks ago. We did that three months ago. Go. Yeah. Stop picking the same three songs. God bless Joshua. He's a great man. Uh, but I, I love any of the Christmas songs. Instead of answering your question, I'm just going to go a different route. <laughs> hey, that's, that's fine. fine. It's wise. It's fine. Call an audible. Go so deep. there was a song that I used to just not like at all during this uh, Advent season. Yeah. And the Mariah Carey is all one for Christmas. Advent, I found it meaning more and more. And it's in the bleak midwinter. Oh, we All sang right. that in church on Sunday, didn't we? Oh. We did. We did indeed. Or did we? Called this song a lot at my last church, and I didn't know why. And different music programs, I don't know how many different churches y'all have been a part of, they just have different levels, you know? Yeah. And and to pull off in the bleak midwinter and make it feel good, 
you got to be really good. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. Otherwise, it's just sad. It's not like <laughs> deep. Yeah. It's yeah. just sad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. But here, Michael and company do an incredible version yeah. of it that allow you to kind of plunge into the darkness that we go into in the devotional. Yeah. Um, and, and reveal in a cool way. Plus, they're referencing in Peaky Blinders. Uh, <laughs> Cultural reference. What is that? Uh, it's, it's a, a TV, TV show, show. Um, unrelated to anything. I have I have been really uh, pleasantly surprised. I don't know if surprised that right where I've been. I've been enjoying the fact that our worship services on Sunday are are so tied to what we've been talking about in the devotional, as far as the liturgy goes, and the in the hymn stuff and all that. I think that's um I think that we did a good job synchronizing those things um, this year. Well, I so. think the congregation is pretty engaged in the devotional as well. I mean, I will note that. First of all, we ran out of physical and copies of the devotional because people wanted it, you know. That's the first a, time we've done that in a couple of years. It's exciting. I mean, I know your Sunday school's class is talking about it. My Sunday school class is talking about it. Oh, you guys doing it. that too? That's yeah, good. We're, we're working through it. Nice. That's cool. It's been great. It's been good to see how all of those cross sections of the congregation interact. Yeah, absolutely. Synergy. Yeah. Uh, my uh, answer to the, the Advent song or the Christmas song, by the way, is like Deck the Halls, maybe? Or like mm. Jingle Bells. I mean, in the sense of like, wow, just it's cheesy, just, basic. Yeah, no, that's what I was going for. Like, you know, I'm not talking about like the theological hymns. It's like you hear See, the I song. I thought you needed a hymn here. No, no, no. Well, I'm a deep theological person, so. <laughs> well, the kind of answer you're gonna get. I mean, Thank I love a Lord. good. I love a good Christmas playlist in October, September, like too early, <laughs> like so early that people don't think you're like starting Christmas. You're just like, that's not Christmas, right? Season. Yeah, right, like, right. Blasting all I want for Christmas is you, Mariah Carey. I think it was back in uh, October. One of my teammates came in my office and was like you listening to Christmas music? And I was like, yeah, I'm working on the Advent devotional. You got to get in the spirit. So I start <laughs> early. Oh, that's true. I do. I will sometimes play Christmas music when I'm working on that. Um, did you guys get your Spotify what wrapped this year? Do you know what that is? I did. You, How many times did you listen to We Don't Talk About Bruno? For me, it's 115. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow. Yeah, it's it's up there. Uh, my, like my top five, though, are like the songs I use, uh, the songs I listen to when I'm writing. So it's like all Hans Zimmer, uh, Interstellar music, and, nice. and like Interstellar and Inception. And, uh, anyway. Oh. So. <laughs> wow. Let's talk about joy. Let's talk about some joy. Jeff, it looks like you have some well-prepared notes there. Is there anything you would like to talk about? I'm I'm simply here. I mean, I it helps me as long as we're talking about soil here, right? Soil. Um, for me to just walk in somewhere and to throw seeds on the ground, I don't feel like yeah. uh, the soil of myself has been thoroughly tilled to produce good content. <laughs> oh my god! And so I, I need to ruminate on the idea. Just as bad bit. as James. Oh my God. The tilling, the soil of self. I think he tried to put that in the devotional. I said, we're not doing that. Yeah. This what? Is, I, I don't Why know would what you can... not do that? That's one of James' better snuck, ideas. I've snuck, I've snuck one in there. Yeah, know that's that's probably not like a wrecking one. ball of grace. Mm-hmm. Oh hey, the now, wrecking ball, wrecking ball of grace. grace is my, that's my, that's my jam, man. That's the, my first book is going to be called. <laughs> anyway. All right, so this week we are talking about joy and uh, the seeds of joy that God plants in our lives amidst the chaos and the darkness. And um, 
as stories we drew from scripture to kind of help us think about this, uh, I picked, um, we, we talked about Sarah and Isaac, and we talked about Hannah and Samuel and Elizabeth and John the Baptist and, of course, Mary and Jesus. And so there's a theme, a pattern that I see uh, throughout all scripture here that, you know, God is, uses unexpected children to... Um, to plant seeds of joy in people's lives. And so I think maybe we start the conversation there today. Um, so one thing about Advent is it's a season of expectation and you're waiting for the arrival of this baby, right? Baby born in Bethlehem. Sweet. Yes. Six pound, eight ounce baby Jesus. <laughs> and there is something about this idea of anticipation, especially the anticipation of a baby. And you write a line in that devotional, and I, I can't quote it exactly, but it's something along the line of every parent can tell you that the birth of a child plants seeds of joy yeah. in their life. Yeah. Um, that's absolutely true. I remember the first advent that we were expecting our first child, right? It hit a little bit different. That's yeah. cool. There was just a different feeling sure. and a different weight to that anticipation. Yeah. But I also, as a pastor, want to balance these stories that all end with the promise, right? With the mm. with the abundance that does right. grow in the garden and recognize that that is not the story in the journey of every pregnancy. Right. And so you do look at a story like Sarah's and you're like, oh, well, this is somebody that was not able to have a child that wanted to, or the story of Hannah, right. uh, somebody that wanted a child was not able to have one. You look at a story uh, like, like Mary and she's not supposed to have a child right. and is having to navigate this scenario. Uh, and so I'm I'm sympathetic to these situations that I hear about as a pastor, and I'm like, yeah. "Ooh, this carries so much weight." You yeah. know, maybe hurt, maybe yeah. joy, all kinds of feelings and emotions, and, and it impacts people's faith very deeply. Absolutely. Yeah. And I think that especially in this season, when all of these stories do result in the birth of a sweet baby boy that yeah. is the promised blessing, I find myself extra mindful of those who have not had this journey play out the way I they think, want to. I, Jeff, I think that's a really good word. When we were diving into this uh, on Sunday school and talking about, we focused mostly on the Hannah story, um, mm. and you have that woman who is desperately wanting a child, and she kind of looks around, she sees everybody else is having children, and they're not like, you know, they're not the best children in the world, talking about Eli's sons. Uh, and then, um, you know, she's loved, her husband loves her and everything, but, but she still wants to have that child. And so she does her vow and she prays to God and, and, and gives it over to God and then walks away with, um, a sense of peace. One of the things that I highlighted in the class though, was this story is not about if you pray, you will have a baby. Like, because there are people who struggle with, Absolutely. with that. And we had a couple of people share stories in, in the, in the Sunday school, which is, I thought really powerful. Um, and, and how God has different, different, um, ways of fulfilling God's will in our lives. But this story is about, it's not about, it's not even really about Samuel being born. The story is about how Hannah was able to let it go. 
she was able to release this this thing that was just looping in her head that she thought she was meaningless or didn't have value or that she was being mocked and irritated and provoked because she didn't have a child and she couldn't have children. And when she goes to see Eli and Eli, you know, gives her that, that blessing, she walks away and she's able to eat again and all these things. And it's not, it's not that she's pregnant in that moment. It's that she is able to come to terms with that and, and go through that darkness, go through that chaos that's in her life and able to come out the other side. I think with joy, even before Samuel is born. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a, essential, and probably parallel to that is the story of Mary, who who sings the Magnificat, yeah. right, and says, "My soul magnifies God, but let it be to me, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Not not imposing her own will, not saying just because of this child, but starting with magnifying God yeah. before any of the rest of the story unfolds." Good. Yeah, I think yeah, it's the the joy is that God is with us in the messiness. Um, Scott Erickson talks about that in his Advent devotional. Like it, you know, birth is messy. This human life is messy, and the joy is that God is with us in that. The joy is not the fulfillment of the promise. That's great. That's wonderful. Yeah, and we should celebrate that and we should glorify God for that. But the joy is that God is with us in all of our ugly, messy, awful, unfulfilled human grossness. Yep. And and that that's the difference between uh, joy and happiness, right? So we when we talked about this too on Sunday, but the the that joy is not joy is much more than a feeling. It's not. It's kind of like love. Love is not a feeling, right? Uh, and and God and this this may sound harsh, but I mean it in the best way possible. God doesn't really care if we're happy. Like that's not that is not God's primary concern. Let's put it yeah. that way. He does care if we're joyful, if we have joy. Right. And that joy is something that, that sustains us and stays with us through the darkest night and through the hardest times and through all the chaos and, and abysmal moments of our life. Um, you can be joyful and be in suffering. It's it's That's what we see in the letters of Paul, and we see that constantly throughout Scripture. Well, and that's, that's the difference between the Christian approach to Advent and the culture's approach to Christmas. Yes. Right. That Amen. we are striving after joy. Yeah. Right. We look for joy to the world. The Lord has come, not the hap- happiest season of all. Right. Yeah, that's good. That's very good. And in a sense, um, you can say, because, because Advent's also about expecting and anticipating the second coming of Jesus Christ, the return of our King, you can say that we find joy in the anticipation itself, whereas the culture in Christmas is all about Christmas morning and actually the payoff, right? That's where you get the happiness, right? But we, the joy for us is is fed by the anticipation, the expectation. Like that is like that's the whole game. Uh, knowing that God will fulfill God's promise, God's will will be done. But being in that process and on that journey, I think. Is it feeds those seeds of joy. It plants those seeds of joy in our life. And then you can talk about it too in the sense of immediacy, like we were talking about in the Garden of Eden, right? God wants to walk with us. God wants to teach us slowly, right? It's a slow process of learning. Right. That's where joy comes from, right? Like it's not the, you know, happiness is I just want to take a bite of this apple right now. Like I just want to bite out of it. It looks delicious. This is what I want. It's going to make me happy. Like that's happiness. The joy is the, okay, well, this is not what God told me to do, right? But, you know, I, I want to do this, but I'm going to choose not to do this because God said no. And I'm going to choose the long, slow, joyful process of being yeah. with God. Well, and part of that, one of the things that uh, 
our our north side devotional says is that one of the first crops to fail after the winter is joy is joy yeah. but but perhaps not right maybe joy is more like your i don't know anything about uh gardening or horticultural <laughs> but maybe it's like the succulent you know like succulents they don't they don't go crazy yeah yeah they don't really ever die to my knowledge <laughs> um it's just it's steady and it's constant. Yeah. You know, I don't know what the plant equivalent of happiness would be, but I feel like joy like is a, closer to that. Like a dandelion or something. Yeah. Shallow weeds. I like that. That's good. Uh I I once um compared uh, well, it was the kingdom of God, it wasn't joy, but I guess it's all the same thing. You know, in in, in 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 the Bible Jesus calls the kingdom of God a mustard seed, or that the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, the smallest smallest seed in the garden but you plant it and it becomes the biggest tree or whatever right what what a lot of people don't realize is that it also suffocates and kills everything else in the garden uh you can't plant this tree this mustard seed tree or whatever with uh with anything else because it kills everything else and so i thought that sounds like kudzu to me (laughs) right so uh but i like the succulent the succulent metaphor is really good for joy and the thing is that that is maybe a key difference between christian joy and worldly happiness is the time frame of it. Happiness is something that doesn't last very long and can happen in an instant, go away in an instant. Right. Joy is something that takes a long time to build and grow maybe, uh, but then it's, it sustains, like your succulent metaphor, it sustains and it, it stays with us as long as we keep feeding it with, um, with the faith and faithfulness that we have in Jesus Christ. One of the things that has come out of this devotional, working through it and kind of reading through it and, and talking about it constantly throughout the week, as as uh, we do, um, for me is is the the emphasis on the garden metaphor has become for me a, a largely about the process, the time, the the length, the care, the concern, like the fact that this to plant a garden of any kind, metaphorically or literally, it takes. Time. It takes a lot of time, and it takes a lot of care and concern. Planning. Yeah, and all those things. And mm-hmm. we are very much a people who um, we want the answer. We don't want the lesson, right? And and we want to skip to the back of the book and read all the answers, but we don't want to go through the lesson. And you can't really learn, can't really learn how to be faithful or joyful, for that matter, by skipping to the answers. Stick with me here. Okay. We're going somewhere. You're you're talking about this aspect of time and the idea of joy springing forth in our life. Um, and as I was kind of listening to the conversation y'all had with Reverend Catherine, uh, I was thinking a lot about uh, space, creating the right space because of that hedge metaphor that runs throughout the devotional. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, and as I was thinking about the right space, for me, it's kind of about creating a place where there can be vulnerability, where there can be curiosity, uh, where there's openness, um, that kind of gives a place for the seeds of joy to take root, right? But maybe the whole idea of gardening is just a matter of time and space, right? How do we make these two converge, creating the right time over time, in the right space with the right environment to just cultivate this, yeah, this 
garden that is the kingdom of God. Yeah, absolutely. I think the other thing too is letting go of control. That's the one that's the hardest for me, right? Because you have to make the time and you have to hedge the space and cultivate it, but you also have to let go of how exactly you thought that it was going to be and what exactly you wanted it to be. And then that's when God can make it what God had in mind, right? But it's like letting go of that yeah. anxiety and that sense of control and irritation when things don't go the way that you wanted them to, or it looks a little bit different. Yeah. I think that's really good. Um, and that highlights the the difference between planting gardens and building cities, right? If you, if you build a building, you can pretty much write down on paper what it's going to look like at, at the, when you're done. Like you have control of that. Mm-hmm. You can know every single 90 degree angle on everything else, every window placement, everything. You plant a tree. You really should. You, yeah. I mean, honestly, you should if you're going to do it. Right. That. It's a whole system. But so. you plant you plant a tree, you have no idea what that final tree is going to look like. Well, I'm part it's of. Impact those Sorry, go ahead. things around it. Go ahead. Yeah, I mean, part of gardening is you put more seeds in the ground than you need to come up because some of them aren't going to come up, right? That's the most heartbreaking part of gardening to me is that, you know, you're supposed to, you, you plant all these little tiny seeds and you're supposed to put like three in every, depending on the plant, right? You put a couple of them in every single little hole and then that you put in the ground and then you have to weed them out. Right. It's like maybe two sprouted up out of that one little hole, maybe zero sprouted up by that second one and maybe four sprouted up. And then you have to like weed it out. Right. Because you only really want one to come out of each little hole in the ground that you planted. And but you don't know. You don't know what that's going to look like. Yeah, I would never have done it. I would have put one seed in there and been like, done. Right, but so it's like preparing for allowing space for that chaos and that uncertainty and that unpredictability, right? Well, that's how God works in our life, right? That there's so many more seeds, I guess, that are offered by God in our life. We have so many more resources, so many more blessings than we could ever Yeah actually cultivate as yeah. people in the same way you know that's, that's why the parenting metaphor always works so well for god because in the same way with kids we've talked about no parent would want a kid just to be happy right you right. want your kid to be joyful right in the same way you know i think god wants these things for us to yeah. have joy but sometimes that requires giving us more than weeding out other things yeah, yeah. and that and that goes along with the same thought of you know, a seed of joy is not joy itself. Um, it, it, it grows into joy through faithfulness and attention and care. Right. Uh, and so when we think about the fact that God has planted many seeds of joy, I, Jeff, I like, I like what you said, like God mm-hmm. has planted many seeds of joy in our life. And we're basically, unless we sit down and reflect and prayerfully consider them, unaware of those seeds. We don't really fully know. Like an acorn is not an oak tree, even if it's destined to become an oak tree. Um, but sometimes squirrels happen. Right. And acorns go away. So like there are, there are squirrels. This is, I don't know the metaphor, but there are, I, I'll, let me there are things that, that steal our Because seat. the squirrel is not God. Right. Right. And I feel like that's, that's the other piece. People are like, yeah. I need to give up control. And sometimes God's just going to take that acorn away. It's like, well, maybe not. Yeah. M- maybe that tornado is just a tornado. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly right. That's a good word. That's a good point. I think going back to what you were saying, Jeff, though, about the time, uh, the time thing that that's come up um, many times uh, in our conversation and in the book, and I, you and I both are not good at gardening. I'm gonna guess, right? You are correct. Yes, I do not know. <laughs> I do not know anything. You can see my my plant right here that Poor is Bob. struggling, right? What kind of what kind of plant is that? Don't he have does, any idea. Green. It's a green plant. It was. Ah. It was green. 
Uh, the anyway. first failure. I have no idea what kind of plant this is. <laughs> well, anyway. What are you taking care of? So Don't know. So, but, but to go back to what you were saying, Jeff, you and I are terrible gardeners, but if you and I decided to put the time into learning how to do that or do that, I think both you and I could figure out how to be, you know, maybe not expert gardeners, but we could be serviceable at planting stuff and making stuff grow, right? So I've read this article recently, and it was called, I wrote down the title of it so I'd get it right, The Soil That Is Scripture by oh. Ellen Davis. Wow. Um, and it's this beautiful metaphor about how the Bible is a soil and uh, how we as interpreters are the gardeners. Um, and so there are these thoughts oh, that that's spring I like forth that. If we work the garden, if we work the soil long enough and over time, different things sprout up in different mm. areas um, and it's it's more of an organic process yeah. as, you know, as theologians, as disciples, yeah. uh, it's it is the long game. And in the same way, you come to the Bible at different times, you come to this Advent story or the story of Eden at different times and it you notice something different. You're That's like, right. Yeah. Oh, you know, that that grew a little bit differently yeah. this season. I like yeah. that a lot. That's a great. That's good, too, because you can talk about the metaphor of like pruning and things as well, right? Like it's not just... It's just going to grow and be fabulous. Like we have to discern things, right? Like, right. That's good. You know, eventually you just got to cut Hebrews out of the Bible, like Martin Luther. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but like, right. The, that's not where I would start, the, but it's on my list. Is the scripture. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> no, but that's right. Because there, are, I love that metaphor. Cause you, you're talking about working the soil. You get, you get a crop that comes up for a particular time and particular place. Mm -hmm. And then as you move forward in life, it, generationally or even personally, uh, that maybe that crop is not quite as useful or delicious <laughs> or healthy. Uh, well, she as, goes on as to as talk before. later about how, you know, it's it's an art and how artists or musicians, they work on a, on a craft slowly and you yeah. build up these skills over time. That's right. The same way your, your reading or your discipleship builds up over time. Yeah. Maybe as you're starting off in your faith, you, you know, it's it's a lot just to come to church. Maybe yeah. it's a lot just to plant a little... Perennial, I don't know. Perennial of faith. Oh, Lord. Perennial of promise. Is, is that a thing? Just go with pansy. <laughs> pansy. <laughs> plant a little pansy. Uh, but over time, you learn how to work bigger plots of land. That's right. That's good. And you, and you work with what the space that God has set forward and given you, too. Yeah. You know, A lot of times we're mm -hmm. trying to plant in other people's gardens, or we're trying to, we're trying to clear space that isn't ours to clear, um, and not allowing God to have that, that control. Or right. we won't we want the joy that somebody else has oh, right and so we say good, yeah. what kind of seeds uh, is that person planting because right. i want to plant the same seeds and get that same plant and right. god's like you you don't have those seeds yeah yeah or you garden. don't have the right soil you don't have the conditions for that plant mm -hmm. or mm -hmm. it's not the right season at the right time because you know like i can pansy's great i can take care of those no problem you know like the elephant ears mm, nick houston he's got those down those are not as easy for me right like i've not gotten to that point right and so god says you know your soil's not ready for that or your responsibility <laughs> level is not quite ready for that right you know it's not it's not as awesome so and that's what we see uh you know just go back and connect this to the story of hannah i mean the this is a, she went through a terrible season of, of, um, 
drought, I guess, a, a terrible season of just not wanting the joy that had been planted in other people's lives and, and not receiving that. And I think a lot of that had to do with God preparing the soil of her heart to, to be able to let it go. I mean, that was the whole thing, right? Yeah. It, it's, it's, Samuel was going to be born one way or the other, uh, but there, w- there was this preparation that needed to happen in Hannah's, in Hannah's role. Otherwise, Samuel doesn't, doesn't become who Samuel needs to be, right? He just is born into this family and never, never gets committed to the, the temple uh, or to Eli's service or whatever. And, uh, and Samuel goes on to anoint David and do all, you know, he's like the last judge and, and maybe first prophet of Israel. So um, anyway, uh, it, it, that that idea of seasons and 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 wanting the joy that other people have planted in their lives, I think it resonates with what we've been talking about. Do you feel like this? Uh, how has the chaos metaphor gone? And with the people you've interacted with, has anybody been like, whew, chaos, that sounds a little bit too strong for what we experience in, in our everyday life? I, I think um, some of the, the people that I'm, I'm working with are a little bit older, and so they've experienced a little bit more. And they all can they can all think back to a time in their life when true utter chaos had collapsed upon them um, or know people who have gone through chaotic events, right? Chaos doesn't have to be catastrophic. Uh, it can be very mild. It, it is it is the day in day out uh, disordering of our lives is what chaos is. And so we oftentimes like that we expect Satan to be a big scary monster when really he shows up as like a little rabid squirrel or whatever. And and so you don't you don't um, chaos is not necessarily like a huge big monster that's that's coming to swallow us completely. It's just the little things in our lives that bring disorder. And that disorders build over time to the point where they become abysmal. They become darkness. They become uh, truly catastrophic in a sense. But mm-hmm. I, I, I think the people that we've been talking to and, and working with in, in the chapel on Sundays, I think they've all experienced. I mean, I, when I look at them, you know, I, and I know the people that are in there, and I, I know some of the chaos that's going on in their lives or has gone on in their lives. Sure. And uh, I know that what we're talking about resonates in in their in their minds with chaos but we had an interesting guys, discussion was, in, in my class a couple of weeks ago where uh, you know it's a lot of preschool parents is kind of what i'm dealing with and so when you talk about chaos and when you talk about hmm. chaos especially at this time in life you're like yeah it, it has a certain connotation sure. i guess you know there's wrapping paper there's like baby food all over the wall there's <sighs> toddler temper tantrums yeah. you know there's a certain brand of chaos that it brings and and everybody's able to engage that pretty well that's good yeah. but there was a, a a member of the class who said you know i don't think anybody in this circle right here and now will have ever will ever have to experience true chaos and that was, you know, that was an interesting thought that we yeah. talked about and, and debated for a while what that would mean that, or what that would right. look like. Uh, so what do you, what is being defined as true chaos then? That's my question. What did that person mean by? You know, I, I think the, I think in that scenario, you know, true chaos would be uh, a complete lack of knowing what's next in any way, right. shape or form, right? That there are uh kind of levels of security that we have as you know a, a privileged people in yep. buckhead yep. georgia 
of uh, that that hedges us against the chaos that the world can can throw our way because even when tragedy might strike in in real and powerful ways there's certain levels of worldly security that we have kind of undergirding us that there's definitely some truth to that there we have insulated ourselves from chaos um a great deal and and we're going to get into what that looks like in lent when we're talking about how we build cities rather than plant gardens but um i i would push back on that and say that that is is chaos lurking beneath the surface itself like that just because you don't feel like it's chaotic doesn't mean it's not chaotic right just because you've learned to surf doesn't mean the wave isn't dangerous and so the the thing is like when we i think every single one of us on this planet is going to face that moment of surely not knowing what to do next right if i like that kind of definition of chaos that does make sense like that's what we're talking about in the sense that chaos what chaos does is make things not make sense like that is that is the whole thing like that is right. that is the light versus the darkness kind of situation um and that sense of meaninglessness and 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 chaotic uh ignorance and and panic that sets in when you when you truly go through a chaotic moment i don't think you can truly and fully insulate yourself from something like that i mean at some point you're going to die and that moment sure. is going to be the most chaotic moment of your life if you're not if you don't have the peace and faith that comes with promise of eden (laughs) yeah i mean i think it's i think it's good and wise to be mindful of the fact that you know whether you're in buckhead or you know we're just we're in america we have a certain level of privilege and we have a certain level of like you said jeff shelter from that chaos i think it's wise and humbling to be mindful of that but i also think at the end of the day it's about what you do with the chaos versus the joy right so i think whether it's dirty dishes in the sink your you know parent dying losing your house like whatever it is or you know like not knowing where your next meal is coming from like any of those things can be chaos for any of us and i think it's about how we respond to that because you can that that's it's about the the fruit right it's about how we are then using that joy, how we are responding to that chaos, choosing joy instead, and then using that to impact other people. Right. Cause if there's no fruit, then what's really, you know, right. Like, yeah. I mean, fruit can't grow out of the soil chaos. Right. That's right. I guess, right. you know, I, uh, and part of my just curiosity is that talking about chaos and order, particularly in the narrative of the creation story is a pretty common thing for biblical theologians to engage in. And so when I read it, I'm like, yes, I've walked this path before. I know the twists and the turns and and I'm familiar with it. I I like, I in fact like this trail. (laughs) Yeah. Let's walk it. But sometimes every once in a while, there's something that theologians are comfortable with or used to. And then you throw it out mm, to a church that's right, world yeah. sure. and they're like, what are you actually talking about? <laughs> sure. Right. And I can understand, like, I definitely could understand how, and this, and this is, uh, and we had this conversation in the chapel, like uh, the first Sunday when people were like, what do you mean by chaos? Like, what is that? Like, cause chaos, sure. that's a big, it's a big, scary word. And people don't generally actually describe their lives as chaos. 
But I would push back on the idea that we're not we're not experiencing chaos or that we have even that we could insulate ourselves from it, inoculate ourselves from it, because this is what's happening. I can see this in our community in Buckhead. I can see it in Atlanta. I see it across the world. The rise of things like depression and anxiety are because we are pressing down the chaos or we think that we're on top of the chaos and we think that we have it under control, that we're insulated or inoculated, however you want to say it. And it's just eating us away from the inside in ways that we can't even fully understand or realize. And there we go. And there's chaos right there. Right. right? And maybe it's helpful to think about it in terms of chaos in someone else's life that is keeping them from whatever, you know, living like addiction or something like that. Yeah. Well, yeah. So again, that that's where, you know, it's the, it's the spectrum. So like, you know, everyone we want, you know, God has given us the gift of life. And so what is the chaos of the world that I am witnessing in other people that is keeping them from living that life that God wants them to live. And so you, that's the, the spectrum of like, yeah. this person is experiencing mental illness, anxiety, or this person is experiencing homelessness, you know? Mm-hmm. So, so what can I do? Where do I see the chaos? in their lives that I have the power to help that God has given me the power the hands and the feet to help address and how can I how can I do that how can I partner with God to help that and you can talk about that and think about that in terms of uh, our our theme for this week which is joy right what does chaos do chaos swallows joy right right? and so you look you look at people on the spectrum you're talking about and say where where are people where's people's joy being swallowed yeah. You know, is it with mental illness? Is it with homelessness? Is it with food insecurity? Is it with, you know, yeah. whatever it may. And, and even the people, even the people who think they have it all together and have ordered their lives and don't need uh, to think about that stuff. I am willing to bet <laughs> that under the surface, yeah. there is a slowly building volcano of chaos that is going to erupt one day. Yeah. You know, this yeah. is why people seem fine. And then you find out later on that they were not fine. Yeah. And it surprises everybody. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a good word. Uh, you know, chaos is so, uh, there's so much connotation that you can mm-hmm. carry with chaos. Yeah. Uh, and then there was a, a line in the devotional for this week that talks about how bringing a baby into the world creates order out of chaos. And I was <laughs> yeah. like, that's a, that's an interesting way <laughs> To view that image. I think most yeah. people that have brought uh, a little kid into the world are like, well, that I, is not I what I experienced. <laughs> but in the sense that uh, there are these seeds of joy yeah. that come from it uh, and that this potential in life yeah. uh, can kind of keep some of these secrets or insecurities yeah. at bay um, just with the innocence and the naivety and and the purity that comes with a baby. Yeah. And I think it's that's the invitation to redefine chaos cuz that that's the hardest thing for me that it's you know someone I don't you know I don't have children of my own but like you know a baby right it's not it, you know the it's not that you know, the mess and the poo and the throwing up and the Cheerios in the hair and the loud noise. It's like that can feel like chaos, but God wants us to understand it as joy because it's about relationship. Sure. Oh, right. Good. It's yeah. about yeah. this human life. It's about, you know, that this, so it's redefining, oh, the chaos has just been brought into my life, which again, like 
God bless all of the people with tiny children because I don't even pretend to know what that's like. <laughs> and I'm sure that feels very much like chaos, but like, cause I'm, I'm thinking of things in my own life, you know, it's like just laundry, right? All that kind of stuff, you know, it feels like chaos, not knowing sure. what's next. And it's learning how to redefine that into the thing that God is trying to show us is actually joy, is a source of joy. And I think that mental shift that any of us can do to think, okay, this is not chaos. This would be chaos. Yeah. How did how is God actually at work in the things that yeah. might seem like chaos? And right. what are the real sources of true chaos in my life that need to be addressed in some other way? Yeah. Yes, that's exactly. A, that's a helpful mental shift for that's people good. to make. Yeah. And, and just, a, and, and as a kind of as a final word today, um, you know, I'll throw this out and regardless of where we are and what we feel, and this is, I think really important for me, something I come back to many, many times is regardless of how, we feel sometimes we feel like the world is just too chaotic and maybe our, our lives or our hearts are too chaotic. Sometimes we feel and like, um, like we're overwhelmed with the, the child or we're overwhelmed with the job or overwhelmed with the, the tasks that we have to do, but also that we're overwhelmed with some things that we are, you know, like you talked about lying and secrets and all those things. And we get overwhelmed and we get pressured by things that, that generate all of this turning waters in, in our, in our hearts are this chaotic heart that doesn't seem focused or doesn't seem, you know, it becomes anxious, becomes depressed, whatever. I'll say that, um, whatever the case may be that God's spirit continues to hover above that and can speak order into any of our lives, can speak joy into any of our lives. If we're willing to receive that word from God, uh, and that's really what Advent's all about. That's what we're waiting for, this word incarnate, to be born into our lives and planted here with us. And I like that. Amen and hallelujah. Uh, Jeff, thank you so much for joining us today. Great conversation. Thanks man. for having me on here. Always enjoy being on the Dialogical Disciple Podcast. I appreciate that. Brother Elizabeth, thank you. A joy, a delight. Guys, we'll see you next week.